Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Groceries for the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's where I drop them off. Yep, right here. All right, so let's see what you got. Got some mac and cheese. Nice. Nice. Some conditioner. And, oh, hey, peanut butter. Check, check. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Here we go. Red AD, what's up? Yes, sir. Peanut butter, baby. Peanut butter. What we like. Uh, you have anything else? No. Okay, well, thank you for donating. Yeah. How you doing? More mac and cheese? You have any peanut butter by chance? No? Okay, thank you for that. Hey, good morning, Hope Elam. Uh, hey, before we get to Brock Purdy, praise God for that time of worship this morning. Praise God for our worship team, all these doing here. Amen. It's so good. It's so good. For those of you that I haven't met, my name's John, one of the pastors here, and I am not an NFL player, but Brock Purdy is, even though he's a former Cyclone. I got to give him props. So close, so close to the Super Bowl, but believe it or not, just a year and a half ago, he was filming that Super Bowl food drive promo for us at our Ames uh, campus, and Brock uh, and Chase Allen, who caught the peanut butter pass that now plays for the, for the Bears, I'm convinced that they got their start helping us out with the food drive. That's how they made it to the NFL. That's how they... They got there uh, and everything like that. But we're, we're thankful for them. We're thankful for what God's doing in this church, particularly this weekend. Now, Pastor Brian asked you if we got Eagles and Chiefs fans. How many are just going to watch the game for the commercials today? Anybody just going to watch that, commercial fans? Okay, how many of you could care less about sports in general? And it's just another day. Great, awesome. Hey, it is a good thing that there's more to life than sports. Amen? There's more to life than football, and it is helping people in need. So for us at all of our campuses this weekend, it's the soup, S-O-U-P-E-R, Super Bowl food drive. That's why our lobby looks like a mini grocery store out there. Praise God for all the groceries that were brought in this weekend. We're so thankful for that. So as we have done over the last decade, all of our campuses together are seeking to fill over 100 food pantries uh, in central Iowa to fill all of those shelves. In fact, it was a couple weeks ago this article came out in the register. This is just a, a snippet. It said, Metro Food Pantries say they're working to provide well-rounded food options for people in need. But in recent weeks, those resources have become scarce. That's an understatement. And I don't need to convince you of that. Some of you feel that. That's a very real thing for your life and the economy these days. Maybe you're in a job transition and finances are tight or whatever it is. And all of that food is going to go to the people that need it the most. And I love that. I love that our lobby is a holy mess today. I just love it. And I love that the last, yeah, praise God. I love that. I love that the last two nights we've had daddy-daughter, mother-son uh, dances as well. Uh, close to 350 parents and kids here over the last couple nights. And so if you're stepping on, yeah, you know, c confetti and, and gummy bears smeared into the floor and all of that, it's because we had a party. And it's better to have a Jesus party and clean up afterwards than to not party at all. Amen? So that's why we're here. I love that the church is a holy mess because it's going to people in need. And if you're wondering what kind of a church 
is this. We believe that any church in a neighborhood, nobody within five, ten miles radius of that church should go hungry. We exist not just for the people that are inside the walls. We exist for the people that are outside these walls to make sure that every need is met, right? No church, no church is called to be a holy huddle where we just think about ourselves. And if one in four people, which we read, are struggling with food insecurity in Polk County, and many of those being kids, then that is our role as a church to help meet that need. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for donating and, and being a part of that. It's, it's, you know, normally we say, come and get it. That's the, the dinner bell call, come and get it. But this weekend, our theme is come and give it. Come and give it. And so we thank you for participating in that. It's not something we just do once a year, but we're a church that just loves food because Jesus loved food. And Jesus loved to eat with people. So every Wednesday, we do community night. Every Sunday, maybe some of you had the amazing breakfast uh, this morning. And the funny thing is, we're going to preach this morning on the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus multiplies and there's plenty of food left over. And I looked at Chef Miles and I said, we better not run out of pancakes this morning because that would kind of be the opposite of the sermon. You know, we got to have, have enough has to go to the store between services to get more pancake batter because there's so many people here and so many hungry people, which is awesome. And so we praise God for the people that he continues to bring. It's not come and get it, it's come and give it. And that is the theme that Jesus gives to our disciples, his disciples this morning in Mark chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 6. We are uh, continuing, excuse me, through our series called On the Move with Mark. On the Move with Mark. And we're, we're going through this series. We're going through the Bible this year as a church. We've been in Matthew, and now we're in Mark. And what you're going to discover about Mark chapter 6 and really the whole book of Mark is that it moves very quickly. It's an action-oriented book. Mark, in his authorship, loves to use the word immediately. Everybody say immediately. immediately. And Jesus moves from one thing to the next. It's chapter 6, and we're already deep into his ministry. And so when we arrive on the scene, Jesus has been busy. He's tired. He's exhausted. He's been doing ministry. He's been healing people. He's been praying. He's been teaching. He's been casting out demons. And on top of that, he's spiritually exhausted. He's emotionally exhausted. His cousin John the Baptist has just been tragically killed. The disciples come and share this tragic news with him. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm going through pain and loss and sorrow, the last thing I want to do is be surrounded by a bunch of people right? So Jesus in his full humanity needs to get away. And the disciples have just come back from doing ministry by themselves for one of the first times, and they come back and they're exhausted. So we need a collective timeout. We need a Sabbath, and they need to get away. And so Jesus turns disciples, he turns to you this morning, let's read it nice and loud together, he says this, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Some of you are like, A to the men this morning. That verse is for me. Anybody just exhausted? Anybody tired? Anybody overwhelmed? You come stressed out this morning? Had a busy week? Do you know that that's Jesus' invitation to you every single day? Do you know that Jesus' number one desire for your life is not that you would be exhausted, but that you would live in this healthy rhythm. Jesus is inviting you to experience rest, and you don't have to run somewhere else to get it. The good news of what Jesus shares with the disciples and what he shares with us is that if you're looking for true rest, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, a deeper kind of rest that's deeper than putting a band-aid on it and just vegging with a bag of chips and binging Netflix, like that's great for a couple hours, but your soul is still empty, isn't it? 
And Jesus says to you this morning, there's a deeper kind of rest. And you're not going to find it by running to everything that the world says is going to fill you up. Like a week in Cancun is going to be awesome. That sounds great. Jesus says, I've got something deeper. I've got a deeper rest. And it's with me. He says, come with me. The antidote, the answer, the solution for your exhaustion, intimacy with Jesus. When's the last time you just with him. If you're burnt out, overwhelmed, if you're stressed, take a nap, take a rest. We learned that last week as Pastor Brian shared. Jesus, what is Jesus doing in the bottom of the boat? He's sleeping. If you needed a biblical excuse to take a nap, there it was, right there. Jesus did it, okay? In his humanity, sometimes you got to take a rest. Just don't take a break from Jesus. Take a Sabbath, take a rest, but don't take a Sabbath from Jesus. You need him. And one of the things I want to encourage you with is don't just skip ahead in this story to the miracle. Oh, Jesus fed 5,000. Woo! Headline news. Yes, pay attention in the Gospels to what Jesus says, the red letters. Watch how Jesus lived. Have you ever noticed this? There is a rhythm and a cadence to Jesus' life. If you look at this graphic, it kind of describes it well. Jesus would have these days, these weeks, these seasons of ministry, of work, a fruitfulness for the kingdom. But what we forget is that the way that Jesus was able to do that is because he was constantly resting and abiding with his Father. Almost every other verse in the Gospels, it seems like, and Jesus left, and Jesus went off to be with his Father, and Jesus got up early for a time of prayer. Jesus had this cadence and this rhythm where this pendulum swings back and forth. And no, there wasn't perfect days because Jesus was interrupted more than anybody else in human history. He never had a balanced week, and I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking about, man, if the first 40 years of my life is any indication, which is all the years of my life, I've never had a balanced week. Have you? Have you ever had a week or a day where you felt like, I just nailed it as a parent, as a grandparent, as, as, a, as an employee, as a friend, as a follower of Jesus? I just nailed it. Just perfect balance. Never. Neither did Jesus, by the way. What Jesus did have was a perfect rhythm of work and rest, of fruitfulness and abiding. And sometimes that was minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year. Do you have that rhythm? It's almost like Jesus' life in this cadence is the rhythm is telling us this truth. Everything I need for them, I get from him. Everything I need for them, I get from him. Everything I need for this situation, everything I need for this relationship, everything I need for my marriage, everything I need for my parenting, I get from him. Everything I need for them, I get from him. Do you have that pace and that cadence to your life? God's number one desire for you in your life is not that you would be busy for him. God's number one desire for you is that you would be with him. And out of that abiding and sometimes pruning and not saying yes to everything, but saying no to some things, you're going to experience growth. Jesus even tells us in John chapter 15, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And yet some of us are like, Pastor John, come on. That's old-fashioned. It's 2023. I'm busy. I got bills to pay. I've got projects to do at work. I got kids to shuttle. I got all these things. And Jesus says, I know, I got you. Be still and know that I am God. 
Maybe the most productive things in your life are not you running around trying to be busy and control everything, but finding the rhythm of Jesus Christ. He's inviting you into that rest. So we see this rhythm from Jesus. And so Jesus is trying to do that. He's trying to get away, and yet the crowds keep following him. Number thir- or, sorry, excuse me, verse 33. But many saw them leaving, and they recognized, and they ran to follow. And so they follow him across the lake. Jesus tries to get away. Hey, he's grieving. He's exhausted. And here comes the crowds to follow him. Now, most of us, if you're like me and you're a raging introvert and you get your energy just from being alone and you need that time away from the crowds, Jesus has every right to say, can a man just get a break once in a while? Amen? Amen. I need some space. I need a break. But what do we read? And the crowds gathered around and Jesus said, shoot, get away. It says he had compassion upon them. The root of that word compassion is like this deep, visceral feeling that wells up inside of you for people. God, would you break my heart for the things that break yours? When there's people in need, when my spouse is emotionally tapped out, when my kids need my full attention, would you well up a deep sense of compassion inside of me, deep, deep inside, from the inside, as we sang this morning. Jesus offers compassion. How does Jesus have the ability to do that? Everything I need for them, I get from Everything I need for them, I get from him. I'm just going to be real honest with you for a second. For me personally, there is no way that I can be the husband and the father and the leader and the follower of Jesus and the friend a member of this church community that God has called me to be unless I am spending time daily abiding with Jesus. And neither can you. Every single one of us is created that way. Some of you are trying to live and lead and love and serve and parent and be an employee and doing all of that, and you're trying to do it without him. And you wonder why you're so empty And you wonder why you're so unfulfilled and you wonder why there's no fresh wind and fresh spirit and fresh nourishment flowing through your veins is because you're like a branch that fell off of a tree and you're laying on the ground and you're saying, why am I not growing? Why am I not producing fruits? Because you're not connected to the vine. So Jesus starts teaching them. The crowds gather around. He has compassion, but it's getting late in the day. It's three or four in the afternoon and they've been following him all day. They are in a remote place. They're in the wilderness. Any Bible readers, any Old Testament readers out there, God's people are wandering through the wilderness. And what does God do for the Israelites in the Old Testament? He feeds them, right? Manna from the sky, and there's more than enough left over. If you're reading this, you're going, wait a minute, there's something different about this Jesus as it points us back to the Old Testament. They've been following him for three days. The disciples are like, Jesus, what are we going to do? Now, now we've got a dilemma on our hands. If you were one of the disciples that day, what would you have said to Jesus? Man, we got a situation. Take a look. Rabbi, mm. people are out of food. Some have been without food for days, others have traveled a great distance. So, give them something to eat. We're out of food. They're out of food. Is it time to send them home? Well, at this point, they're so hungry and tired, if we send them home, they're faint along the way. 
You knew they were hungry? Yes, Judas. I can see them while I'm talking. Hmm. Uh. <laughs> well, this is a tough one. Where can we buy some bread for all these people? Well, we only came with a little over 200 denarii. Rabbi, that's not even enough to get a little bit for everyone. I wouldn't even know how to calculate that. Matthew and I can calculate that. That's really easy. Maybe if we go into the cities, we can negotiate something on credit. Yes. Yes, that could work. Negotiate with whom? The closest city is Abila, and its entire population is here. Can you bring me anything? Surely there's some food from someone, even a small amount. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But what is this for so many? Barley loaves. Two fish and five barley loaves. Thank you for clarifying. This is humiliating. John? He will take care of it if he wants to. This is wonderful bread, Telemachus. I know something, huh? Oh, it's enough for me. I can do a lot with this. It's enough for me, Jesus says. You know what I love about this scene? Before we get to the miracle and all the cool stuff that you remember, you know, the headline news, I love how cool, calm, and collected Jesus is. You know what I mean? Anybody feeling that? Like, he is one cool cat. Everybody else is freaking out. I'll, I'll, I'll do the math, and we got to go to the store, and, you know, is there a Casey's somewhere around here, and we got, there's no grocery store, and what are we going to do? And, I, and Jesus is like, hmm, yeah, tough one, isn't it, guys? Yeah. He's 100% man, and he is 100% God. He's like, I got you. I got this. Would you believe that whatever situation you brought in here this morning, whatever dilemma that you're faced with, it's the same God who holds your situation in his hands and says, I can do a lot with a little. I can do a lot with a little. I can do a lot with your limitations. I can do a lot with your lack. Because when you are weak, then I am strong, exceedingly strong. Amen? Put it in the hands of Jesus. Everybody else is freaking out. And the disciples, you gotta, you gotta give them some credit. They're, they're trying to figure out the situation, and you and I would be too. We, 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 where would we have all the food to get here in the wilderness? You have to, they got it partially right. There's no fast food out here. There's no McDonald's, you know, floating around in the wilderness. But here's what they missed. And this is what you and I often do. They saw the need, but then what they did is that they limited the possible solutions to what only they could see. Well, th this is what I, I can imagine, Jesus. And here's, here's my gifts and talents, and this is what I bring to the table. And Jesus, my ways are not your ways, amen? My thoughts are not your thoughts. Don't limit the answers to your prayers based on what you can imagine. You are praying to a holy and righteous and divine and omnipotent God that can do anything, amen? Don't forget who you're praying to. The God of the universe, don't give up on your prayers based on what you can see rather than what he's capable of. Do you spend more time telling God what's up rather than asking him? Are your, is your prayer life about 90% shooting up, like uploading up to the, the cloud? Is it telling God 
Or is 90% of your prayer life listening to the smartest, wisest, most loving, most generous being in the universe? Being with him. Do you ask God or do you tell God? You see, sometimes I think if we're not careful, our prayer life can resemble a, a series of announcements. Instead of listening to God and saying, what are you capable of and what can you do in my life, even through my blinders and my limitations, we say, well, actually, God, here's what I've decided. Because this is what I can see. I know that you can do anything, but I guess this is what it is. I, I went ahead and bought that thing, and I didn't go, I'm going to be in debt for the rest of my life. You know, I, I went ahead and I took that job. I didn't think to ask you because I don't think you'd really care about my job. You know, and in fact, speaking of my job, it's been really hard recently. And so I'm just going to kind of look around me and do what everybody else does. I'll throw three or four back, uh, a couple bottles at night, just to kind of numb the pain of my life and just kind of put a Band-Aid over it because that seems like what everybody else is doing. I didn't even think to ask you how to deal with stress and anxiety and depression. I'll just kind of do what everybody else is doing. You know, I, I didn't think to ask you for help with my marriage, so we're just going to kind of survive. We're not really going to be married lovers anymore. We're just going to be roommates. We're just going to shuttle the kids around and just kind of get along. You know, maybe we'll get a divorce when the kids are out of the house, because that seems like the logical thing to do. I'm not saying it's not extremely difficult sometimes, but when's the last time you slow down to value God's opinion above any other? And let's break that down any further. It's not an opinion, it's God. There's a lot of voices out there. Which voice are you listening to? Do you spend more time telling God what's up or asking him what's up? How does your prayer life look these days? See, according to the disciples, if you go back to the story, game's over. The game's over. Like, there are no other possible solutions. And I love Jesus' response to when they feel completely weak and helpless. Jesus says, you feed them. And if I'm the disciples, I'm like, no, you feed them, right? Don't ask me to, I don't have anything, right? I don't own a catering company. And Jesus says, you know what would be really cool? If you guys just gathered up 12 baskets, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, you sensing a theme here? Why don't you guys grab 12 baskets? You know what would be cool? Why don't you feed them? And the disciples, if I'm a disciple, I'm like, Jesus, you know what would be cool? If you wouldn't have let us out into the middle of the wilderness without thinking about hiring a catering company. Okay? And Jesus says, we don't need a catering company because I'm Uber Eats and DoorDash and a catering company all rolled into one. I'm the bread of life, baby. You don't need anything else. I've got what you need. That is what's up. And here's the thing. Sometimes God, in fact, a lot of times, God gives us a mission before we can fully see the provision. So God's calling you to take a step of faith, to invest in your marriage emotionally, to be fully present for your kids, to be a light in the darkness in your workplace, to take a step of faith in leadership, in reaching out to your neighbor, in inviting somebody, in serving somebody, in befriending somebody, and you have paralysis by analysis. Because here's the thing, you've got the what, but you can't see the how. You've got the mission, but you don't see the provision yet. And the, the, the space in between a mission and a provision from God is called trust. That's what God is after in this story. Is it really about lunch? Or is it about something deeper that God wants to get at, as we just sang, on the inside? on the inside of me. The space between what and how is trust. And God is inviting you into that. Everything I need for 
them I get from him. What if that was the mantra of your life? Man, I'm, I'm between a rock and a hard place, Pastor John. I'm in a tough spot and I don't, I don't know what to do. Everything I need for them, everything I need for this situation, for this circumstance, I get from him. So the disciples come back in this impossible situation. We got five loaves of bread and we got two fish. A little quick math here. I'm not great at it, but I can do this. Five plus two is seven. And seven, we know in the Bible across the Old and New Testament, is a sign. It's a symbol. It's a number of completion and perfection. Would you believe that whatever you walked in here with this morning, your relationship, your situation, your circumstances, as you put it in God's hands, he doesn't look at it and go, oh, no. What a mess. I've never seen this before. You put that in God's hands, you put that in the hands of Jesus Christ this morning, and he looks at it, you know what he says? Perfect. Perfect. Just the way I like it. Less of you and more of him. In your weakness, he is strong, right? Perfect. You don't have to get yourself all cleaned up. You just go jump in the ocean of God's grace. He says, come to me just as you are. You don't have to get all cleaned up first. Perfect. You, you bring it to me. Incredible things happen when we take what we have, not what we want. When we take what we have and we put it in the hands of an almighty God. Take a look. Moral of the story, uh, if you were going to lead a crowd of 10,000 people on a long journey and you're looking for a catering service, you might want to bring along Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Kind of knows, knows what he's doing. I can only imagine the disciples have their baskets and as they're handing out this food that did not exist 30 seconds ago, the provision wasn't anything that they could imagine. It is being engraved in their hearts and their minds thousand times over. Everything I need for them, I get from. Everything I need for them, I get from him. It's not about the loaves and fishes. It's about what's happening on the inside of the disciples and us. Trust the ability to trust that even when you can't see the provision, God's got you. We read that after everything was passed out, 5,000 men had eaten. The reason it says that is that culturally in those days, publicly women and children didn't normally eat with the men. We're not sure if that's historically accurate. I love the chosen. It doesn't claim to be 100% biblically accurate, but scholars will say close to 10, maybe 12 or 15,000 people ate that day with 12 baskets left over. Jesus, just a little icing on the cake. I am more than enough for you today. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. There is no lack in what God has this morning in his will and his way and his timing. But here's the thing. I could just stop the sermon right there and send you home and be like, God's always going to supply. And he will. But here's, I don't want you to miss this really important fact. They got hungry again couple hours, the next day, those 15,000 people are all saying, okay, Jesus, do it again. We're starving. We'll follow you, but give us what we need. Jesus knew something inside of them hadn't completely shifted. They were still more in love with the gifts than they were with the giver. And sometimes we can get the same way. We develop this mindset for all the relationships in our life. What can I get out of it? 
What can I get out of it? What can I get? For those of you that are married, how's that going for you? Is that satisfying your soul? They're not making me happy anymore. They're not meeting my need. We do the same thing with God. What can I get out of it? No healthy relationship is built on a foundation of me getting my needs met. In the kingdom, Jesus flips it upside down and says, when you fall more in love with the giver than the gifts, you actually get the gifts on top of that. Jesus says it's not about the fish and the loaves. It's about something much deeper. In the same account, believe it or not, this miracle is the only one besides the resurrection that's recorded in all four Gospels. So in John's version of the story, in John chapter 6, Jesus says, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. You got filled up physically. And that's great. And he says, do not work for food that spoils. Do not live for things that are going to leave you empty. But for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. It's not about the food. Jesus says, I've got something richer and truer and deeper. I've got a better way. I've got a deeper truth. I've got a more abundant life. Don't miss it. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You were made for so much more than just surviving, than just getting along, than just kind of having a shelf life relationship with Jesus where you pull him off the shelf once in a while when you need him or for an hour on Sunday morning. He wants all of you. He wants your heart 24-7. He wants all of you, not just once in a while. Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the food that's going to last dinner for a day. That's nothing compared to what I can give you. I can fill up your soul. What if every time that we ate here at the church on Wednesdays and Sundays, is your, I'm not talking about drive through fast food. I'm talking about sitting down and savoring whatever those pancakes had on them this morning. I'm just sitting down and savoring that and go, it's not about the food. It's not about the drink. It's about the bread of life. It's about the living water. What if every time that you ate, period, was a reminder that you can't live on anything but Jesus? I need you every hour. I need you every minute. I need you every second of every day. You are the literal breath in my lungs. You're the food in my belly. You're the water that nourishes my soul. I can't live without you. What if that was just a reminder every single time that you ate and drank? It's not about what I can get out of it. No healthy relationship is built on that. Think about it. <laughs> With my own kids, and this happens sometimes, we are far from a perfect household. Sometimes my kids will actually come to me for me. But a lot of times I get home, work at the end of the day, I come walking through the door and they run up and the first thing that they say is, hey dad, can I do this? Can I get this from you? Can I get allowance? Can I play the switch? Can I play a video game? Can I have some money? Whatever it is. What if every single time I had an interaction with my kids, it was, I need, I need, I need, gimme, gimme, gimme. Parents, grandparents, you know this. What do you long for from your kids, your grandkids, more than anything else? A relationship. And relationships are built on the foundation of trust. Not, Daddy, I need. Daddy, I just want to be with you. That's the foundation of any relationship. I just want to be with you. It's trust. I trust in the goodness and the faithfulness of your heart that you have provided for me, Dad, and you're going to do it again. And that's just a small, imperfect glimpse of the love that I have for them is what God wants for you. Your heavenly Father says to you this morning, I've got you. 
I've got it. And you can trust me. One of my favorite authors, Brennan Manning, puts it this way. He says this, like faith and hope, trust cannot be self-generated. I can't send you off today and say, be a better Christian. Pull yourself up. Trust more. Try harder. It doesn't work that way. I simply can't will myself to trust. What outrageous irony. The one thing I'm responsible for, I cannot generate. The one thing I need to do, I cannot do. But such is the meeting of, oh, hang on, radical dependence. Radical dependence. What does lie within my power is paying attention to the faithfulness of Jesus. What if the point of this story wasn't to go home and say, I got to trust more. I got to do better. What if the point of this story is keeping your eyes fixed on the faithfulness of Jesus? In Mark chapter 6, that we're in, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Two chapters later in Mark chapter 8, in a completely separate account, the same thing happens over again. They're out in a remote place, they don't have anything to eat. What do the disciples do? Oh, I remember Jesus. I trust you completely. You got it. No, just what you and I were do. They'd freak out all over again. And we do the same thing in our lives. Oh, I, this going on, and this going on, and this going on. I mean, I don't know, God. I, I don't know if I can trust you. What are you going to bring to the table this time? Are you truly going to come through for me? I, I don't know. You're up against it. I don't know, God. Take a lesson from the little boy and his sack lunch. <laughs> Take what you have and put it in his hands and see what he can do with it. Stop trying to cling to it and hold it so tightly. God, I don't, I don't know how this marriage is going to work. That flame is down to a flicker and I just don't know, but I trust you. I'm giving it to you. God, that budget is really, really tight and it's so stressful month, but I'm giving it to you. I have this job search. I have this interview. I got this diagnosis. I got this self-hatred inside when I look at myself in the mirror. I've got this addiction that I just can't break and I don't know how it's going to work. Take the blinders off. And hear God say, I've done it once and I'll do it again. It might not be in your timing and not be in your way. Take it outside ourselves for a second. An earthquake kills 15,000 people in Turkey and Syria. Double funeral for two teenage boys this last week in our city. In our neighborhoods. One in four struggling with food insecurity, many of them children. I mean, that's just to name a few. Compassion. Compassion. It would be so easy to say, well, it's overwhelming. And to cower in fear and to say, well, that's somebody else's problem. They, they probably did something to get themselves in that situation. Maybe, sometimes. And it'd be easy to dismiss people like that. To be able to dismiss situations that are so overwhelming and just keep them at a distance. Not if you follow Jesus. Jesus saw the crowds as sheep without a shepherd. And he had a deep, visceral reaction of compassion for them. Does your heart break for the things that God's heart breaks for? And then he took action, and we're called to do the same. Maybe it's giving to our, one of our mission partners, Convoy of Hope, that's already on the ground in Turkey and Syria. 100% of what you give, and you can do that online, 100% of what you give goes to those in need. Our brothers and sisters in Turkey and Syria matter just as much to God as somebody down the street that's going to receive one of those groceries you bought today. 
It doesn't matter whether they're here or on the other side of the world because the world has come to Des Moines if you haven't noticed. God cares about every single one of them the same. His heart breaks for those boys. His heart breaks for the shooter. His heart breaks for those that are, are, are killed. It, God's heart is for everybody. Compassion. And then we take action. Maybe it's giving to Convoy of Hope. Maybe it's investing in the youth and the children of this community. Maybe it's take action, getting on your knees and praying to an almighty God. Maybe it's being a part of a church that, that, that feeds people as a part of community night. And not just one time a year during the food drive, but this is who we are as a church. We say, God, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm putting what little I have and I'm putting in your hands because I believe that you can do something through me. I believe that you can use me. Why does God say, why does Jesus say to the disciples and to us, you feed them? Because he knew they couldn't do it by themselves. By giving them a mission without the full vision of the provision, it forces radical dependence and trust. Because what you have called me to do, God, whatever that is today, I know I can't do it alone. So I'm putting it in your hands. And that's what God's asking us to do this morning. When you came in, you got a little slip of paper, and you maybe are wondering what that's for. That's your loaves and fishes. And some of you have pens. They might be at the end of the row. If that's you, just pass them on down and share them. But here's what I want to do this morning. I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do it. The most radical thing that we could do is surrender our lives to Jesus and give whatever it is that we're holding on to, whatever our loaves and fishes are, and put it in the hands of an almighty God. Put it in that basket that Jesus can take and do incredible things with. What is a relationship? What is a name? What is a situation? What is a circumstance that you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if it's enough. Put it in Jesus' basket. And that's what we're going to invite you to do. It's going to kind of feel like communion. So we're just letting it go. <laughs> we're letting it go. We're giving it to Jesus. Just take a minute right now. Just slow down and be fully present. What is that thing that I need to hand to Jesus? If you need one, just wave your hands. Our ushers will give you one. And what we're going to do is, for those of you on the lower level here, we're going to have you come forward. There's baskets all across the front. If you're upstairs, we'll have baskets up there as well. The ushers will show you where those are at. And we ask you to just come forward and don't just go through the motions. If I was there on the hillside that day and Jesus says, well, what do we have? Give it to me. Give it to me. We don't know, I don't know, but God knows what you're going to write on that slip of paper. It's a big deal to him. Let it go. And the band's going to come forward in a moment. We're going to close and worship together. We're going to sing about this God that is enough, that is Jehovah Jireh, that is more than enough for us. And as we do that, I want you to come forward as you're led and just drop that in the basket and let it go. Put it into the hands of Jesus. Wherever you are, top or bottom, if you're at home, do the same thing. Write it down. Let it go. That physical, tangible response. Let it go. And then when you're done, you can head back and we'll close. Stand and we'll close in worship together. Don't look at the size of the crowd or what's in front of you. Look at who is holding the basket. He's got you today. And he's more than enough. Amen? As you're led, let's stand together. As you're led, come forward, drop that off in a basket, and let's stand and let's worship together. Thanks so much for joining us. 
To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.